Welcome back to the Making the Madness College Basketball Podcast. I'm Jonathan Warner here with Sean, and uh, championship week is done. The bracket is here. Uh, the first time in two years we can fill out brackets. Uh, bear fill them out quick while you can. Um, yeah, it's, it's the best time of year. Uh, and Selection Sunday has passed. Uh, yeah, it's, it's all coming here. The season, it's reached its peak. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's been a while. Obviously, we didn't get an NCAA tournament last year. The selection show, obviously, we didn't even get that last year. There were some people that wanted it just to hear their names called, even though there wasn't going to be games. They opted not to do that. But, you know, it was pretty – it was just refreshing to see that again. And, you know, just we've been a long way to get to this point. And, you know, props to everybody involved that got the season to where it got. You know, we're close to the finish line now. And I'm excited for the NCAA tournament. The bracket looks great, and we're going to break it down later. Yeah, we will be coming out with uh, some you know, longer podcasts where we, where we will be breaking down the bracket more in-depthly. Uh, we'll, we'll touch on a few things here, uh, our initial thoughts here. But I think we we need to start with championship week because this, this was an all-time like championship week. You have bid stealers in uh, major conferences. Oregon State uh, beats Colorado, gets the bid. Uh, Georgetown beats Creighton, gets the bid. Uh, Those are two teams that weren't going to make the tournament. Now they are in the tournament. Uh, Georgia Tech was going to be in, uh, but they get the bid. Josh Pastner, uh, Jose Alvarado, just great, great post-game interview. Uh, Josh Pastner might be... Uh, the the weirdest funny coach in college basketball. I'll say that. Yeah, it was certainly interesting seeing uh, him thanking the entire ESPN broadcast crew after the game. And you know, Jose Alvarado. A lot of people wanted conference tournaments not to happen, but I'm sure Jose Alvarado feels differently based on his reaction. He was crying after, uh, you know, in his post game interview after winning the game. So clearly, that meant a lot to him to be able to win that. And obviously, there were some interruptions. I don't think. Friday, Virginia and Kansas happened, so we, or Saturday, I don't know, did we talk about that on the podcast? I don't think so. But yeah, they had to opt out of their conference tournament because of a COVID positive, and right now, they're still in the NCAA tournament, you know, they plan on playing, Virginia slate play Ohio, and Kansas is slated to play Eastern Washington, I believe, so let's see what happens there, but right now, that's what's set to happen, so I guess we'll see what occurs there if they don't end up playing. Obviously, we'll you'll see it on Twitter, I'm sure, but we'll alert you guys on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, if if you're just uh, if you're waiting for the podcast to come out uh, for that news to come out, uh, I I don't know. Maybe, maybe people come here for the first news, but uh, I would. I would tend to think that you'll probably hear about it from other sources, maybe even us on Twitter and uh, the website as well, before mm-hmm. you hear the podcast first. Certainly possible, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it, what, what was your favorite like kind of thing? Because mine has become Josh Pastner. Uh, uh, just Champ Week altogether? Yeah. 
I got to go Georgetown winning uh, the Big East title. You know, their pick last in the preseason. I had them second to last or third to last. I don't remember exactly. I know I had Butler, DePaul, and Georgetown last. I think I had Georgetown second to last. But this is not a great team on paper. And they struggled earlier in the season and lost in Navy. But this is a team that's played competitive all season. And they have some really talented players. Javon Blair is a really good player. And then you have Dante Harris, who's really emerged in the last month or two of the season to look like a future star freshman. He just has that it factor. He knows how to play the game really well. He's a good facilitator. And, you know, he clutched up multiple times. There were some free throws late where he won. I think he won two games on free throws at the end of the game. Uh, down the stretch of the season one in the Big East tournament. But that story is just great. Patrick Ewing, you know, maybe he's a year or two away from getting fired potentially. And the year John Thompson dies, Patrick Ewing, the best player in Georgetown history, is able to cut down the nets in Madison Square Garden where his number is retired. He was a New York Knicks legend. And he gets to honor one of the closest people to him in the world, which was John Thompson, who unfortunately passed away, obviously. But that's just a special moment. It just everything lined up for that to be a special moment. And Georgetown did it against all against all odds. Yeah. And they did it not only by beating Creighton, uh, they they beat them handily. Uh, 73 to 48. I think they finished the first half on like a 20 to nothing run or something like that. I would have to go and check. But. Yeah, an impressive overall showing in the championship game. Uh, the first two games were kind of close. Seton Hall had a chance. Georgetown kind of just outgridded them and got to the title game. And then, uh, of course, Dami Karras hit the uh, two free throws to lift them over Villanova in the quarterfinals. But, you know, this is a Georgetown team. They're playing well. I don't know if they'll win a first-round game. They can. Uh, it's certainly capable of doing so, especially if they play like they did in this Big East tournament. Uh, that remains to be seen if they do, but uh, Georgetown, they're at least dancing. Yeah, absolutely. What a great story that is. And, of course, we can't forget Oregon State. They were picked to finish last in the Pac-12 preseason poll. I had them second to last, so if that does anything for you, maybe it does. I had Washington State last. But Oregon State, just what an incredible run. That just shows you what happens when you can get some momentum and confidence going in March, what you can accomplish. Because this Oregon State team, they weren't even – I don't think they're favored in any game in the Pac-12 tournament. I don't remember their – yeah, they had a bye. They faced UCLA, and then they beat them. They beat Oregon, and then they beat uh, Colorado in the championship. Like, that's pretty impressive. Just to, Those are three teams that are uh, in the NCAA tournament that they beat. Yeah. Uh, like they when they first beat UCLA, it's like, uh, what what what's going on here? Like, why is UCLA losing to Oregon State, and they beat Oregon? Then like, I still going into that Colorado game, I was like, Oregon State can't be for real, uh, but they they certainly were in that game. Uh, Jared Lucas had a really good game. Uh, coming off the bench, Maurice Callo, uh, he had 15 big points, hit a couple threes. So uh, they played a really good overall game plan. They cut Colorado on a bad shooting night, which which happens. But uh, at the same time, Colorado had a chance to win the game late. They didn't. Oregon State held on. 
Oregon State is going to the NCAA tournament. Yeah, certainly awesome. I'm just, you know, it's always fun to see bid sealers, and it's also unfortunate to see, you know, Louisville not get in because of one of them. And Colorado State, a really fun story in their own right, not get in because of the stolen bids. That's what March is all about, stolen bids and bubble resumes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, another, another thing, I, I think we, we need to talk about Josh Passner because – all-time voicemail for one thing uh the like minute-long voicemail how can you call this guy and want to leave a voicemail with him i honestly don't even know the last time i left a voicemail if someone doesn't answer my call i just hang it up like i don't even leave voicemails at this point in my life anymore uh nobody i don't think anybody listens to him i'm pretty sure i don't have a uh voicemail box set up so if you call me, I'm not even sure if you can leave a voicemail. So I just, you know, I thought it was kind of funny. But a minute-long voicemail, that is so long. Yeah, I think if if you get to his voicemail the first time, you would probably at that point just, uh, if you actually needed him, just send him a text. That would probably yeah. be better than actually leaving him a voicemail at this moment. But, uh, yeah, and then the, the post-game interview, he's like, yeah, we were on ESPN prime time, guys. Two thumbs up. Like the, the, this, and then you you had that he had the COVID ball spike. You've got the face shield. Like Josh Pastner is taking over uh, college basketball content. Yeah, and it's pretty crazy. I mean, obviously they started the season with losses to Mercer and Georgia State. And then they go and make the NCAA tournament win the ACC tournament. I mean, and what, they ended up a nine seed against Loyola Chicago. So it's not like a great seed, not normally what you'd see from an ACC tournament champion. You can attribute that to the league being down a little bit and those two losses. Had they not lost those two games to Mercer and Georgia State, they might be like a five seed. Like those two losses really hurt them. Yeah. Most definitely. They I would think at least be like a seven seed. Like they wouldn't be playing in this eight, nine game. Yeah. Not, but, you know, if you, I just, yeah, I would hate being an eight or a nine because I feel like you just pull the short end of the stick there. I'd rather be a 10. Like if you're an eight or a nine, you have to play a one seed if you win. But if you're a 10 seed, you get to play a seven. You're kind of evenly matched for the most part. And then you get to play a two. You don't have to play a one. Yeah. I think. It, 11s even i would say the 11s maybe the best true. one because there's 11 seeds like who are the uh, you could play as a first last four in which is michigan state and ucla and wichita state and drake and the other two are syracuse and utah state and then you play a six seed and if you win you play a three seed and then you play the one seed i believe in the sweet 16 right uh, you play three, you play six, three, two, then assuming the bracket holds up the one in the elite eight. So yeah, I would like to be an 11 seed then. Yeah. I feel like more 11 seeds make a run than like eight, nine seeds. No, no, no statistical stats to back that up, but. That's that's just my 
That's my thought. Absolutely, I agree. Uh, San Diego State, they beat Utah State 68-57 to to win the Mountain West. Uh, Alabama wins the SEC championship. They got in a kerfuffle before the game with LSU. Uh, then Nate Oates mouthed some words after the game, <laughs> and they won. Uh, that's that you get to do that if you win. Um, Illinois is the Big Ten champions. Uh, St. Bonaventure, Camry guys, uh, not having a good week. Not having a good week. So, uh, where where do you want to go here next? Um, you know, obviously we just touched on uh, Champ Week a little bit there, but I guess let's get into the bracket a little bit. Let's just Talk about what happened on this beautiful selection Sunday. Greg Gumble got to speak words of wisdom into our ears, and we got to listen to it, and I was thrilled. All right, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the the bracket comes out. I think we kind of got pretty much most of what we expected. Uh, West Virginia being a three seed over Oklahoma State being a four didn't make a ton of sense, but... Uh, you know, th- there were a couple of nitpicks. Uh, certainly, Louisville not being in the field. You know, I think for Louisville fans, you're probably not too happy right now. But at the end of the day, I think we got 68 teams who, like, I don't think the tournament's going to be missing out on Louisville when it's all said and done. So, uh, and they still could technically, if let's say Virginia upset or has a couple COVID pauses, they could still make the tournament. So I, I think we got a good field of 68. We've got a good bracket. Uh, you know, it, it's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I guess it wasn't unexpected, except for Louisville. I mean, I did expect them to get in, and but I'm not surprised they didn't get in. I just didn't see it happening because that's clearly a talented team, but they've just been ravaged by injuries and COVID pauses. They haven't played a ton of games. They've been in and out of pauses like two or three different times. Like, yeah, they're just a tough team to gauge because they don't have a bunch of big wins either. So I just felt like it was too tough of a resume to understand, but they ended up leaving them out. And they said one of the reasons was they didn't have very many quadrant one wins. I think they were one in six in quadrant one games. And they would have been in had Oregon State not still in the bid last night. Yeah. Most definitely. And I, I think when. Oregon State did steal a bid. Uh, you know, I think w- there was a lot of talk would it be like Utah State, would it be Wichita State, would it be Drake. Uh, it ends up being Louisville, who I think was you know a solid choice to not put in the field. Uh, I do feel bad for like Carly Jones and David Johnson. We won't get to see them in the tournament, but at the end of the day. I don't know if Louisville was necessarily the best team. Um, and so, like, I'm not going to feel too bad that they missed the tournament. I projected them to miss the tournament or make the tournament. But, uh, you know, I, I think it, they were kind of like one of the teams, if they got left out, you wouldn't really bat an eye about it. Yeah, definitely. And Syracuse getting in where they did. They were a last four by. That was kind of surprising to me. I'm glad to see them in. 
because I think they could certainly win a game. They play San Diego State, so that's kind of a tough draw. But I kind of like what they have. Yeah, Buddy Beheim has been hot. Yeah, Joe Girardi's been kind of a disaster, not going to lie. Kadari Richmond's looked like a star at times. Then you have Quincy Garrier inside. You have Alan Griffin, who's their leading scorer. And then you have Marek Dolajai, who's a very good passer for, for big man. He kind of does it all. And off the bench, you know, Jesse Edwards can play a role. They have some pieces, and I like, you know, Jim Beheim teams always play well in the tournament. I feel like they have a really tough draw at San Diego State, but they always seem to have some sort of success in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. The the Orange, you know, they, they, they always do this. They play on the bubble, and then they make a cheeky Sweet 16 appearance. It's, uh-huh. it's very predictable at this point. Uh, we'll, we'll see if they do it again. Uh, in terms of, like, one thing I was very interested in, uh, I was kind of disappointed to see Loyola Chicago be the eight seed uh, in Illinois' region. That's 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 got to stink for them. And look, they can pull off the upset most certainly, but, like, if hypothetically you switch them in Clemson's spot, Loyola Chicago could really get hot because Rutgers isn't, you know, the most dominating 10 seed. Houston's not going to dominate as a two seed. So, like, I feel for Loyola Chicago, I think they got the short end of the stick on the draw here, uh, mm-hmm. as well as Oklahoma State. I think if you're looking at that Illinois region, you've got, you know, you can make an argument the three best teams in that region are all on the top half of the bracket. Yeah, definitely. That region is certainly the toughest, in my opinion, because you have Illinois and just seeing Oklahoma State as a four seed makes no sense to me. They were five seed spots or ever you want to say it. West Virginia was the 10th overall seed. 15th overall seed was Oklahoma State. I just don't get how that is the conclusion the committee came to. Like Oklahoma State beat them twice and they lost once, if my memory is correct, right? Yeah. They went 2-1 in the most recent two were just these past 10 days. Yeah, like, how do you come to the conclusion that West Virginia, who doesn't have more Quadrant 1 wins, is uh, five spots better than Oklahoma State? If it was one spot, I'd be like, I disagree, but whatever. Five spots? Yeah. No, I I think the thing is, like, Oklahoma State should have been – if you're going to have them as a four and West Virginia as a three, it should have been, you know, it doesn't really matter. It should have been West Virginia 12, Oklahoma State 13. Yeah, but, definitely. I mean, there there is a chance they play again. Uh, there's also probably a good chance Illinois makes it to the final four. I think they're the team to beat, but... You know, you look at the bottom half of the bracket, I think West Virginia, it's open for West Virginia to make a run. Yeah, and I like this West Virginia team quite a bit. I've seen some people say, you know, this is a team I could see getting upset. I, I don't see that. You know, they're not your typical Bob Huggins team that's a defensive first team, but this team is lethal on offense. Miles McBride, we nicknamed him Miles McBuckets for a reason. And then you have Sean McNeil, who's an absolute sniper from deep. You have Taz Sherman, who can fill it up. He's the Lou Williams of West Virginia basketball. And then you have Derek Culver inside. Gabe Osaboyan's a good glue guy. Jalen Bridges can come off the bench and provide some spark. 
there's just a lot on this team I like, and Bob Huggins is a fantastic coach. Yeah. Uh, I think in terms of maybe the uh, weirdest region, I think it has to be Michigan's region. You, you know, I think Michigan as the one, they're obviously hurt by injuries, but you know, I look at this region, I don't really see you know necessarily a main challenger, especially you know before we get to like the elite eight with maybe an Alabama or a Texas. Like you look at this LSU St. Bonaventure, they're kind of like meh eight nine seeds. I think St. Bonaventure is going to beat LSU, uh, but like and then. Like Florida State, I think, is probably the pick to come out of that top half of the bracket if you're not picking Michigan. But I think in terms of as easy of a draw you could ask for if you are Michigan, they got it. Uh, Now, whether that will mean they go to the Elite Eight, whether they go to the Final Four, that's a different story. But uh, I think the bracket broke well for Michigan, at least. Yeah, definitely. I agree with that. You know, I I like the matchup of St. Bonaventure LSU. I think both could have trouble with Michigan, so I don't really think there's going to be an upset there. Uh, but going to face Florida State, I think that could be a significant, you know, game there that'll be an issue potentially. But that Isaiah Livers, which we hadn't mentioned on this podcast, Isaiah Livers has a stress fracture, I believe, in his foot, and he, you know, it doesn't sound like he's going to play again this season. So that's that changes the dynamic for Michigan. Brandon Johns is going to have to play a big role. And he's a guy who last year played a lot. He just hasn't this year because Livers has been healthy. Livers wasn't healthy last year. So Johns has sprung into a more significant role. So I'm curious to see how good he can play and if he can help lead Michigan to the promised land because they look pretty bad in uh, their loss to Ohio State the other day. Yeah. And – like, they kind of made it close at the end, but it was – they kind of got dominated throughout the game. Score score line. But, you know, looking at Michigan, I think if I were them, I would probably just try to play Franz Wagner at the four and then go with, like, Sean D. Brown, mm-hmm. Mike Smith. I like and that. Brooks. Like, I get they – they're undersized at the guard spot. But, like, if you're not going to have livers back – you, you've got to at least have shooting around Hunter Dickinson because when you have Dickinson and Johns in there, neither can really, like, shoot. You get you don't allow the option for the defense to either have to double Hunter Dickinson, in which case you have, have a new open shooter, or you leave Dickinson one-on-one in the post where Dickinson dominates. So, like, you know, I would just say Franz Wagner at the four is probably the move if you are uh, Juwan Howard in Michigan going forward. Uh, because I st- like Brand Johns is a fine player. I think he's a good backup five. Uh, same with Austin Davis. But if you're playing them with Dickinson, it's not going to work out well offensively. Yeah, I, I think John's a little more versatile than just being a five. I think he could play some four, two if you need him to. But I think you're right. I do like that lineup with Sean D. Brown and Wagner at the five. And having a guy that's six foot nine, six foot ten, like Franz Wagner, that can pretty much play one through four, just shows why he's so versatile, why he's on NBA draft boards. He can just do so much, and that's just, there's unlimited value on that to a team. 
Absolutely. Uh, moving t- kind of towards the bottom half, I think there's, I would say, four teams that could all at least make it to the Elite Eight. Obviously, Alabama is, you know, they just won the SEC championship by beating LSU. Uh, Nate Oates is certainly fun. If they play, get hot from three, they absolutely can win this region. In uh, you know, they're if they play and get high against Gonzaga, they can, you know, I think they're one of the few teams that is capable of being Gonzaga if they get hot at the right time. Uh, but, you know, in terms of Alabama, they're certainly going to be a tough matchup. Uh, UConn has James Booknight. They're, you know, really scrappy. I think they could potentially make it to the Final Four. I think BYU is good enough to make it to the Final Four. I think Texas is talented enough to do it. I'd it's st- you're still trusting in Chaka Smart, but like the talent in you know the roster is there for Texas to make a run. So like the bottom half of this bracket, I don't know who's going to go to the lead eight from it, but like I can see a bunch of different scenarios. Yeah, definitely. And you know I've done I'm probably do like 30 different brackets, but you know 30 different bracket pulls. I'll probably keep the bracket mostly the same. And in my first run through, I had UConn in the final four from that region. They're so much better than a seven seed. Uh, if James Booknight was healthy the whole season, they could probably be like a four seed. They lost, I think, four games without Booknight. He's such just a difference maker. He's a star. And RJ Cole really got it going in the Big East tournament. Tyler Polly's going to have to shoot the ball better. But I think the key two guys are Adama Sanogo inside because he's just light years better than Josh Carlton. It's not even close. I feel like Sonogo is just a really talented physical player. He reminds me a lot of like Kofi Coburn, just not as polished in certain ways. And I think that Sonogo has a super high ceiling. And Andre Jackson, just his ability on defense to defend one through five, pretty much. He can defend anybody with his athleticism and his length. He's an NBA player in the making. He's going to be really good next season for UConn. And I think he can make a name for himself on the defensive end in the NCAA tournament. Absolutely. Like, in terms of the bottom, I could see, and here's the thing, Texas, I could see making the Final Four. I could see losing in the first round because I think <laughs> Albaline Christian could could present problems if Texas isn't ready uh, because they're, they're certainly long uh, tough, physical, you know, play well as a team. So you know, Texas better be ready game one. And if they are, you know, I think they're dangerous. Uh, if they're not ready for the first game, uh, they could be making a trip back to Austin, Texas, uh, just after day one. No, I agree with that for sure. Abilene Christian, you know, that's like a sleeping giant almost because it, if you guys haven't watched Abilene Christian season, those of you listening, I'm sure a lot of you have at this point. But Joe Goulding is a fantastic coach, and he runs just a frantic defense. They're going to be in your face. They're going to throw bodies at you all the time. They're going to press. They're going to make life difficult. They, I think they forced the most turnovers uh, in college basketball this season percentage-wise. It was Ember, Stephen F. Austin, but that was a top two for sure. There's just a lot of good players on the team. You look at Clay Gaiman, he can shoot it from deep. He's six foot six, six foot seven, can light it up. Colton Cole is really good. Uh, you have Joe Pleasant, and then you have a guy I really like who's a defensive ace in Arion Simmons. He's like Mark Vidal, but just playing for Abilene Christian. Then you have Reggie Miller Jr. He's a solid guard. Doesn't play like uh, Reggie Miller of the Indiana Pacers, but this Reggie Miller is a really good defender. So 
if it's a low-scoring game, Abilene Christian could certainly win. But if it's a high-scoring game, Abilene Christian will be in trouble. It's just one of those. We'll kind of see in the first 10 minutes of the game probably how it's going to go. Absolutely. Uh, me- meanwhile, let's let's head up to the Gonzaga region. Um, I mean, I think there's some potential for some you know major carnage, but uh, Gonzaga is making the Final Four. This is... You know, and it's not even that this region's necessarily easy, uh, because like Iowa's, you know, as a two seed, they can score a lot of points. Kansas is, you know, Kansas. That's they're always going to be tough to beat. Virginia can present matchup issues, but it, like they also have played those three teams this year, and have, you know, they beat Iowa handily. They beat Kansas handily. They blew. They ran Virginia all the way back to the East Coast. Uh, Corey Kispert made like 15,000 threes on them. So, like, I don't see, and those are the best teams in this bracket. I just don't see a team that can even challenge Gonzaga. I think they're going to win every single game in this region by at least 10 points and maybe more. Yeah, definitely. And a potential Sweet 16 matchup that I could see happening, certainly, is uh, UC Santa Barbara against Gonzaga. This is a team I wrote about a few weeks ago, about maybe a month ago. Santa Barbara is a really good team. You have Ja'Cory McLaughlin, who is an elite guard. But it's not just him. You have Amadou So inside, who's a baller. He's had over 1,000 points in his three-year career. Miles Norris, a former top 50 recruit, spent a season at Oregon, then transferred to City College of San Francisco for a season. You have uh, Sani, who's injured, so we'll see if he plays. And then you have a couple other pieces like Josh Pierre-Louis. If his name sounds familiar, maybe you're thinking he was at Temple with his brother Nate last year, but he transferred. And just like his brother, he's a feisty defender. I could see this team winning their first-round matchup against Creighton, then going to face either Ohio or Virginia and winning that one, and they'll face Gonzaga. I don't think that'll result in a win, but that's just a win for Joe Pasternak's program if they're able to win a couple of games in the NCAA tournament. 2012, Ohio made the Sweet 16 as a 13 seed. Oh, I think boy. they could do it Part again. Two. Part two. Uh, nine years later, they get Virginia in the first round. Uh, Virginia may or may not play. Uh, they have some COVID issues. Uh, we'll see if they play. They're at least not going to be in Indianapolis until Friday. So, you know, in terms of that, I think there's. You know, you have some issues when it comes to Virginia. And then, you know, Ohio, Jason Preston is a star. Uh, just he's kind of like the lamello ball of college basketball. He's very mm-hmm. fun, flashy to watch, uh, makes some incredible passes, uh, is a good shooter, good scorer, good rebounder, triple-double threat. Like, he is... He's the lamella ball of uh, college basketball. That's my comparison. Yeah, I like that. Just a guy that can do it all. Uh, he's averaging 19, 6, and 7. That's just absurd numbers. Not often you can have a guy who does that on great efficiency. And it's not just Jason Preston. He sets the floor for a guy like Dwight Wilson the third. Then you have uh, Ben Bonderplas who can shoot the three, he can drive, he can defend, he can pass. He's really uh, just a Swiss Army knife. 
and then you have a guy, London McDay. He went to the same high school as LeBron James, which is a random thing that I don't even know why I know. But he's, he does that. Ben Roderick shoots a three. But a guy I really see as a difference maker is Mark Sears, a freshman guard who spent a lot of time starting when Jason Preston was hurt earlier in the season. I feel like if Ohio's going to win games in the NCAA tournament, there's going to be a turning point where Sears makes a big sequence or a big play that changes the outlook for Ohio. Yeah. And uh, kind of moving towards the lower region of the bracket, um, two seed Iowa, we've, yeah, I think they, they're better defensively than I thought they would be. They're still not great. Uh, so they're, they're certainly susceptible to an upset. I don't think they'll lose to Grand Canyon, but um, Oregon in the second round is, they're always a team that peaks in the second half of the season. Uh, I don't really think either Wichita State or Drake is really going to give USC much trouble. So I think we'll probably see a Kansas versus USC matchup. We'll see if Kansas has their full complement of players. But, you know, in terms of the bottom half of the bracket, I could see a lot of teams going to the Elite Eight to play. Uh, I think, again, it's probably Iowa, Oregon, Kansas, or USC that ends up playing Gonzaga, I really don't see any of those teams really being able to stay in, you know, single digits even. Yeah, definitely. I I certainly agree with you there. Yeah, but uh, moving on here, the Baylor region, I think this is, you know, kind of a little bit, you know, wide open. I think Baylor's obviously the pick to come out here, but uh, you look at the top half of the bracket. I think Villanova is always going to lose in the second round. Uh, you've got Purdue, who's kind of playing well, but they're they're. Yeah, I still think a year away from being really good. Uh, so you've got some potential for some upsets. Winthrop could certainly take down Villanova. It's you know, very, That's my Winter Beagles. Very trendy upset pick now. Uh, it, which is, you know, I knew it was going to happen, but, man, I was hoping I'd be alone on that train. Yeah. You you, you hyped them up too much. Yeah. Maybe maybe next year I'll just not – I'll just hype up a team that I think isn't actually good. Like, I'll be like, yo, Liberty, they're going to win. They're going to be in the Sweet 16. And instead they get waxed by 30 by Oklahoma State. Well, uh, I don't think Cade Cunningham will be up out there next year. So, well, I was just talking about a matchup this year, but Rondo Walker will be there next year. Don't don't sleep on Rondo Walker. And Avery Anderson. And uh, Isaac Likely. Mm. And the Boons. And the Boons and uh, oh dear, what's his name? Bryce Williams. I don't know how I just blanked there. Bryce Williams. He is quite good. He is a sniper. M. A. Moncrief. M.A. Moncrief, too. This is going to be a good team next year. If they ban them next year, I'm going to be mad. Let's never ban them. Let's make that not a thing. Uh, just uh, don't uphold the appeal. Just do, give them, like, a scholarship reduction and move on. Yep. All right, but yeah, I think from the top half, I... I'd probably say, like, there's a good chance you see, like, Baylor against Winthrop in the, you know, Sweet 16. 
Maybe North Carolina can keep it close with Baylor, but I think Baylor has a pretty easy path, at least to the lead eight, uh, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Uh, man, it'll be interesting. There's just so many different ways it can play out. you think it's an easy path to lead eight, though? What do you say? Do you, you think it's an easy path to the lead eight? Yeah. I I still don't see, like, North Carolina will beat Wisconsin because Wisconsin's a bunch of Terrible. frauds. Uh, yeah, but, like, North Carolina's guard play isn't going to match up well going against Davion Mitchell and Jared Butler and Mark Vidal. So, uh-huh. that's, that's true. That's not great. Um, but then they could get Oklahoma State in the Sweet 16. No. No. That's Illinois' bracket. Yeah. We're talking about Villanova and Purdue right. here. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I actually agree with you then. Yeah. It's like I could see Winthrop maybe being the team that comes out of the 12 round, but, like, that's not – that's not really a tough matchup for Baylor. So, like, I just don't see a way they lose before the Elite Eight. Yeah, I agree with that. I would have Zate, or I would have Baylor and Winthrop in my Sweet 16 right now. I guess we'll see what happens there. Obviously, Chandler Vaughn's a baller. They're going to beat Villanova pretty easily, in my opinion. Just they have nobody to stop Chandler Vaughn. He's going to feast. And they run 11 deep. You have DJ Burns inside who looks like Zach Randolph, just the way he plays. And even, you know, just the the way they enjoy the game, they have the same smile on their face every single time they would touch the floor. Josh Corbin can light it up from outside. Russ Jones can shoot it. Then you have Chase Claxton, and you have uh, Kelton Talford, who I like quite a bit. Then you have Adonis Arms, who's a six-man off the bench that gets buckets. There's just a lot on this Winthrop team that I think is really good, and I think they have all the makings to be a Cinderella team this year. Yeah. Uh, moving kind of towards the bottom half of the bracket, uh, Arkansas as the three seed going against Colgate. That's a uh, that's a tough matchup for them. That's going to be high scoring. Arkansas is going to need to bring their A game to win. Um, Texas Tech, Utah State. Uh, I, I mean, I can see Texas Tech. You know, it, here's the thing: Texas Tech is one of those teams that just doesn't close out close games. But, like, if that changes, I could see them make a run here. Yeah, man. This Texas Tech and Utah State game is certainly interesting to me. I want to see how Marcus Santos Silva is going to play in this game because he's going to have to find a way to stop Nemeas Keita. That's going to be a tough task for anybody. But Santos Silva six 6'7", Keita's 7 foot. Like, there's a, such a difference in that height right there. Yeah. And I think Arkansas, I know they just lost to LSU. I think they're probably the pick to probably play Baylor in the Elite Eight here because, like, you look at the bottom half, Florida and Virginia Tech, you know, not exactly scary. Uh, the Kerry Blackshear Bowl. Uh, Ohio State. I think 
you know, if they go against a team that has legitimate size inside, uh, I think they're in trouble. So I would say Arkansas would be my early pick to make it to lead eight out of the bottom half of the bracket. Yeah, I think that's what I have right now, too. It's just, that's that's just such a weird part of the bracket, but I do like Arkansas quite a bit. Obviously, Moses Moody's just a game changer. I think Musselman's a great coach, and he has a lot of good players on that team. Yeah. Uh, so, we, we've kind of touched on each region. Uh, we did a, ask to have some questions read. Um, so, let, I'd say we get into those. Uh, the first one here is from Zach Mulholland. Uh, thoughts on Iowa, Grand Canyon, and Yukon, Alabama? Um, I think for Iowa, Grand Canyon, I would, I think Iowa will win the game somewhat handily. They're just they're too good offensively to lose to Grand Canyon. Like they'll be able to score pretty easily, and Luca Garza will probably have a, you know, 25, 10 type night. Yeah, I mean, that's just a given of Luca Garza at this point. But I think it could be pretty close. I mean, you look at what the Antelopes have. You have Asborn Mickard, the transfer from Wichita State, who had the highest field goal percentage in college basketball this season at 72%. He could feast inside on Garza, who's a questionable defender. But they have, like, uh, I don't even know what the – it'd be like, uh, David Robinson and Tim Duncan of College of Basketball right now with Midgard and Alessandro Laver inside. Both are 6'11 and 7 foot. Laver, though, can stretch the floor. He can hit threes with ease. He's a great all-time player in Grand Canyon history. So that's just a big piece there. The question I have for Grand Canyon is, can the guard play play well enough? You have Javon Blackshire, who's a good player, but he doesn't shoot the ball great from outside. Then you have Oscar Frager and Mikey Dixon. If those three can play big roles, I think Grand Canyon can keep it close, but I think Iowa's going to ultimately win just because top to bottom they're the better team. Yeah. Uh, and then as for Alabama-UConn, should we get that game? Um, I I think UConn can win it. Um, yeah, I, I would say, you know, in terms of UConn, they're – they play tough, scrappy defense. Uh, Alabama does as well. I think it would kind of be a lower-scoring game if they play. Uh, and you know, just looking at it, I think UConn can win. I would probably pick Alabama, but that's kind of like a 60-40 pick here. Yeah, that should be a close game. Uh, it if Alabama is hitting threes with ease, they're going to win the game pretty handily. But if they're not, they're going to have to rely on their defense, which is great. They have a great defense. But if James Booknight drops 35, they can win. Like, when you have a bona fide star like James Booknight, you can win any game. Absolutely. Uh, next one, all gas, no breaks. Uh, or hashtag all gas, no breaks. Horns 411 asks, how far do you think Texas can go? I think they can make it to the final four if they play well. I think they could also lose early, uh, you know, first, second round. I just think it's what version of Texas shows up. How consistent are they? Uh, is Jericho Sims deciding to play like the seven-foot monster they played 
as in the Big 12 championship game, or is he, you know, being a little bit soft like he sometimes gets? I think that they can, you know, make make the Final Four. I think they could also lose, you know, first round. We discussed Abilene Christian, so I would say, you know, I'll go in the middle and say Sweet 16, but. I don't really have a great feel on how far they'll exactly go. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'll say Sweet 16, but I don't feel great about it because I think they have just a wide array of places they could land. Like, I agree with you. They could go to the Final Four. They could lose in the first round. The key for me is uh, Jericho Sims, Kai Jones, and Greg Brown. That's a fantastic trio of athletic bigs. But can they all play consistently? Can Kai Jones score? Can he defend opposing bigs well enough? Like, he's an NBA player, but he does struggle on defense at times. And Jericho Sims is just such an elite rim protector. But I want to see if they can play consistently on the defensive end to be able to win this one, uh, win deep into the tournament. But I think they certainly have the capabilities to do so. Absolutely. Uh, And then, uh, let's see. Ketchup asks... Besides Michigan and Kansas, who are the biggest frauds in the tournament? Uh, Wisconsin, for one, major frauds. Uh, Clemson, major frauds. Missouri, major frauds. Uh, let's see. Oklahoma, major fraud, too. I mean, Oklahoma yeah, and Missouri, that match is terrible. They're, they're the lesser of the two frauds. So I'm, I'm going to pick Oklahoma yes. to lose to Gonzaga by 20. Villanova, because no Colin Gillespie. Yeah, v- Villanova. I uh, see. See, I'll, I'll back off here. That's that's more to do with uh, injury than it has to do with just being frauds. So, uh, Tennessee, Tennessee, they're they're one. No offense, but yeah, any yeah. more frauds? I'm I'm looking up and down the bracket. Um. Let's see here. I mean, we we could we could go, you know, can call out 16 seeds like, you know, Texas Southern probably frauds. Mount St. Mary's. Hey, don't sleep on Texas Southern. One of those two. Whoever loses. Michael Weathers and Galen Alexander. Don't sleep on Texas Southern now. Come on. All right. So so Mount St. Mary's is the fraud of that game. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Norfolk State's probably the frauds of the Appalachian State Norfolk State game. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, both Wichita State and Drake, you could argue, are frauds. If Drake had Roman Penn, then they wouldn't be. But I think if uh, Joseph Yesifu has a big game, they could they could beat USC. Maybe I don't think so. But if Yesifu drops thirty, maybe they can. He has such a fun name. Yeah, I like that for sure. All right. Uh, and then last one. You must pick a 13 over 4. Which one are you most likely to pick? Um, I Was that Tristan who asked that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Tristan yeah. Freeman at HoopsNet 351. Um, yeah, I think the pick's Virginia, Ohio. Yeah. I'm going with Ohio for sure, and, you know, I guess we'll see what happens there with all the COVID stuff surrounding Virginia, but whether it's Virginia or Louisville they'll play, 
uh, if Virginia has to drop out, I'm taking Ohio. Hey, could be Colorado State. No, I think wouldn't it have to be Louisville. What 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 if uh, Louisville can't play? That's true, but Colorado State is already playing the NIT, so they won't be able to get to the bubble. That's a tough scene. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think uh, whether it is Virginia, whether it is. Louisville, I think Ohio, Ohio's the best 13 over 4 pick. Yeah, absolutely. I'm with you for sure. All right. That will wrap it up for our Instant Reactions podcast uh, to the bracket, uh, to Champ Week. Uh, March Madness is here. We we didn't get it last year. It, you know, was it? You know, March sucked last year. But here we go. We finally got it. Uh, and, you know, I think we're in for a good tournament. I think there's potential for some history to be made. Um, you know, I think there's a very, I would say, very, very, very good chance Gonzaga's in the national championship wow. game. Uh, Hold on. We didn't, speaking of history, we didn't mention Oral Roberts, Ohio State. Hold up. So Oral Roberts in Ohio State. I have Oral Roberts winning as a 15 seed. It's only happened eight times. Max A. Smith and Kevin O'Banner, along with Kareem Thompson to Shang Wagner. I think that the Oral Roberts Golden Eagles can absolutely beat Ohio State and then beat whoever wins a Florida-Virginia Tech matchup to head to the Sweet 16. I'm not exaggerating. This is the team I probably watch the most of anybody in the country. I watch all their games, I'm pretty sure, except for the two D2 games they played. I think they could legitimately make it to the Sweet 16. I wouldn't be surprised. They are one of the most talented 15 seeds ever. There you go. So that we've got, uh, let's see. All the one seeds will win. We've got mm-hmm. uh, Oral Roberts beating Ohio State. Yep. We've got Abilene Christian either beating Texas or Texas going to the Final Four. Uh, we've yep. got Ohio's definitely beating Virginia. Um, over under two and a half, five twelve upsets. Over under two and a half. Let me think. So I have Winthrop winning. I have UCSB winning, but I have Tennessee winning, and I have Georgetown or I have Colorado winning. So I guess under. Yeah, I would probably take the under as well. I I do think UCSB will win. I and then you need both. Like I think Tennessee is just more talented than Oregon State. Oregon State. And I think Colorado is just better too. They have the best player on the floor, McKinley Wright. I do think there's some talent there at Georgetown, but uh, Cutis Wahab doesn't have to have a big game. He's gonna have to dominate Evan Batty and Dallas Walton inside. I just don't see that happening. So I think Colorado advances, but for Georgetown to get to this point is impressive. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, yeah, but you know, wrapping the show up here, I'm just I'm glad we got a bracket here. Uh, you know, far too long. We, you know, the Big Big Ten title game went into overtime, and I think everyone just wanted to see the bracket to fill out. But you know, I I I admit I could I was willing to wait another like 20 30 minutes to watch that game wrap up. Because, you know, 
if you're going to wait 700 and whatever days it has been, you can wait another 15 minutes. Just my thoughts. Yeah. Hey, I'm in. I agree. That was a great game. Yeah. And Illinois and Michigan now both Big Ten champions. So congratulations on Illinois. Congratulations to Josh Pastner. And we'll, we'll be saying congratulations to one team that wins the national championship. We're not going to give out our picks here on the podcast, but I, I think you can probably guess, I probably can guess your pick very easily. And Winthrop, listen, good call. Thank, it was Winthrop. You got me. It, it, yep. It was too obvious. Too obvious. I'm, I'm just, I, I'm like, a, what, what did they say? It's a, a poker face. Is that what, is that what they say? Absolutely. Although, although I guess you don't have a good poker face because your your pick was too obvious. Yeah, that's true. See, I'm bad at what things mean, and I guess I didn't know what that meant. So. Yeah. So. March is here. We'll be back. Uh, we're gonna do a round by round, region by region bracket preview show. Uh, gonna go through each region and break it down. So uh, until then, which should be up here shortly, uh, that will wrap up for this edition of the Making the Madness College Basketball Podcast. Be back soon.